Alrighty, I get the privilege of introducing the next person, a very good friend of mine, her and her husband. Erin, you can come up so long. Her name is Erin Ballard. She is a science teacher at Thomas Moore, so she's clever, essentially. Um, that's the first part, I think. The second part, and more importantly, I want you to take notice of why you should prick your ears up today, this morning, to listen to what she's got to say. The reason is this. She's one of our worship leaders at church, and I get to interact with the worship leaders, obviously, week in and week out. And a lot of worship leaders, like myself, concentrate on the drums or the sound or Erin doesn't. She concentrates more on the lyrics and what we as a church are going to be singing to God. She listens more than all of our other worship leaders when they're choosing songs. She listens to the Holy Spirit and she's asking and she's hungering for God to speak to her. And so I know that the words on this page come from a hungering of the Holy Spirit to speak to her so that she can speak to us. And that is why you should sit forward, you should sit up, you should prick your ears and get ready to hear what God has to say to his church this morning. So ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Erin, my friend, Ballard. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. So if you've been alive for more than about 45 seconds, you're most likely aware that life is full of undulations, highs and lows, thorny valleys and exquisite mountaintop views, light and shadow, joy and sorrow. One example of these shifting seasons in my own life was back in 2006. I was a very privileged and relatively carefree varsity student. I could sleep in late, arrive home at any time of night that I liked, and because I was the fourth of five children and had my own car, I could pretty much do whatever I liked in between. I loved being part of a big family. Our very different personalities made family get-togethers loud and fun and full of spice. We supported each other, were quick to forgive, and even celebrated each other's differences. Then all of a sudden, after having a grand mal seizure, my mom was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And about 12 weeks later, towards the end of her treatment, which we thought was going well, she went into multiple seizures from which she never awoke. And something in my life broke, and things started to unravel. Losing my mom was what I can only imagine is like losing a limb. I learned that grieving is not a straightforward, linear process of just dealing with your emotions. When you lose a limb, you have to relearn how to do simple everyday activities as if you're doing them for the first time. And so I and my family had to learn to live without her, something that we're still doing today in many ways. Who would make sure the kitchen was always stocked with anything and everything we could possibly need? Who would cook delicious meals? Who would not only remember everyone's birthdays but find out exactly what present they would like and then find said present Never mind arrange some sort of get-together or celebration for the said present giving. Uh, and don't forget the cake. Who would make sure that we would continue to have our family breakfasts and keep in touch with each other's lives? We were pretty much like a herd of cats trying to walk over cold, wet quicksand. It was not pretty. Our relationship started to take a dive. And my life felt like a glass jar full of beautiful beads that had been smashed open. Try as I might, I couldn't catch those beads, and I certainly couldn't get them back in the jar. 
Like I said at the beginning, we've all had our own ups and downs in life. I know I certainly haven't reached a plateau yet, and I'm sure I have many heart-wrenching and wonderful moments ahead of me. But one of the things that God has been challenging me with and teaching me through these highs and lows in life is the power and the blessing of being able to say, yet I will praise him. Whatever circumstance I might find myself in, yet I will praise him. I've often found that my relationship with Jesus can really be affected by the circumstances in which I find myself. In times of heartache, grief, anger, or anxiety, I find it can be really easy for me to feel abandoned by God or to start to question his goodness, faithfulness, and justice. And this usually causes me to turn away from him rather than towards him in those times. Job at one time was able to say, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. I would love to have a faith that is able to say, I will trust in him, no matter what the circumstances of my life might look like. Yet I will rejoice in him, no matter what season of life I might be in, whether it be summer, winter, spring, or autumn. Yet I will praise him, no matter what the dot, dot, dot is in my life, great difficulty or great joy. I really want to have a faith that is immovable, a faith that really is an anchor, especially in the rough seas of life. So is this kind of faith really possible? Maybe it sounds a little bit unrealistic. I don't think it is, but the question is, how can we get there? To a place in our faith, we, re we really can say, yet I will praise him, no matter what. Often when I'm in the valleys of life, I can tend to feel like God is silent. Or maybe it's just that I can't hear him over the noise of my emotions. I certainly seldom feel him clearly leading me to specific scriptures in those times. And so when I don't know where to start or what to read, I often find myself turning to the Psalms. Maybe because I love musical worship so much. And over the years, God has really used the Psalms, and particularly those written by David, to help me learn how to navigate these times of heartache and difficulty better. The book of Psalms is a collection of 150 poems, songs, and prayers that have been quite intentionally arranged. Broadly, the Psalms can be divided into two categories, Psalms of lament and Psalms of praise. The Psalms of lament express pain, confusion, and anger about how horrible the world is and how horrible the things are that are happening to the writer. These Psalms of lament predominate the first part of the book of Psalms, up to Psalm 89. Then from Psalm 90 onwards, the psalms of praise begin to outnumber the psalms of lament. These psalms of praise draw attention to the goodness of God and remind us and celebrate who he is and what he's done for us. Sometimes we can even see this sort of progression from lament to praise within one psalm, like Psalm 13, which is where my life verse comes from. Psalm 13 says, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we've defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you've rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. 
So what has God taught me through the book of Psalms as a whole and through particular Psalms like this one? How can I make the journey from lament to praise to really being able to say, yet I will praise him no matter what? Firstly, these Psalms have taught me the importance of being real with my God. It's taught me that it's not only okay, but it is good to be real, honest, and open with God about my thoughts and my feelings. I remember it being so refreshing and actually feeling quite relieved when I read some of David's Psalms and saw how vulnerable, raw, and real he was about how he was feeling. The first four verses of Psalm 13 are a good example of this. I mean, if that's not a good old groan, I don't know what is. This process of sharing my sometimes ugly emotions with God has really helped me in two main ways. Firstly, it helps me to reflect on what it is I'm really feeling. Is it really anger, or is it maybe something more, disguised as anger, maybe jealousy or fear? And then secondly, it's really helped me to feel closer to God. Just like sharing an open, honest moment with a friend helps to deepen your friendship. We have an almost three-year-old, Ben, and for about a year now, he's been completely obsessed with dinosaurs. So he knows all of their names and which ones are herbivores and which ones are carnivores. And so naturally, Google has become my very close companion, helping me to get all the names right, because heaven forbid I talk, call one of his toy dinosaurs by the wrong name. And it's really hard. I mean, there's a whole lot of them, and some of them are really similar. Like, do you know the difference between a Diametrodon and a Spinosaurus? Exactly. And if you do, we need to spend some time together. Or maybe you can spend some time with Ben and I'll have a nap. That would be nice. <laughs> so anyway, because he's about to become a three-nager, he's going through a stage of learning to deal with his very intense emotions that he feels. And one of the ways in which we're helping him do that is by teaching him to identify them and name them. And now don't get me wrong, we still have days where the world comes to an absolute end because he can't find any clean dinosaur underwear. But most of the time, it really does help him just to be able to express how he's feeling. And I think it's the same with us. Being able to express myself openly and honestly with God really does help me on this journey from lament to praise. The second thing that the Psalms have taught me about being able to say, yet I will praise him, is the importance of choosing to remember and to submit. If we look at Psalm 13, there's a clear turning point from lament to praise where David says, but I trust in your unfailing love. So I actually find being real with God about my emotions the easy part of this journey from lament to praise. I'm a pretty good whiner. In fact, I don't even need to practice. I can whine on demand. But what I have had to practice again and again is choosing to remember and to submit. Choosing to remember what Jesus has already done for me and choosing to remember and submit to and trust in what his word says about who he is and about who I am. For me, this is the hard part of the journey from lament to praise. I find that when I'm feeling pretty miserable and my emotions make me doubt who my God is, choosing to remember the truth about him is especially difficult, but especially critical. I have to keep practicing it over and over again, and I don't always get it right, and sometimes it takes me a while to get there, but it's been so important for me. So now we come to the last part of the journey, being able to honestly and authentically say, I will rejoice because you've rescued me 
I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. The worship team can come up. I will rejoice. I will praise. Firstly, I find it really interesting that David writes, I will rejoice. I will sing. Again, it reminds me that this is an act of my will. And sometimes it means my spirit must override my flesh. I also find it fascinating that after just saying things like, how long will you forget me, God? Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we've defeated him. David then says, I will rejoice because you have rescued me. Past tense. It's like after feeling like God had abandoned him and he was going to die, suddenly David has renewed, renewed hope. So much so that he's able to speak out in faith that which he has not yet seen with his eyes. He's able to walk by faith and not by sight. How, how is he able to suddenly do this? I think it's because he remembered and he submitted. The statement of faith comes just after him saying, but I trust in his unfailing love. When I choose to remember and trust that I serve a God full of unfailing love, I find my hope is renewed and despite my circumstances, I really can say, I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. So church, this is me. I'm Aaron, and this is how God has used his word to teach me how to say, I will sing to the Lord.